Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. Titus 1 and 9 reads, Holding fast the faithful words as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Again, hold him to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. And so from Titus, uh, we learn the foundational teaching of defending the faith. So on this episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on the need for Christian apologetics. The need for Christian apologetics. In today's culture with uh, social movements on the rise, with uh People looking for clarity, uh, suicide rates among young people has risen sharply. Uh, divorce is on the rise. It's evident that this world need to hear the good news. This world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Many are looking for their purpose. Many are looking for the identity. And if we were to share God's good news, we are confident that it would impact their lives for the better. So we as Christians, we must hold firm the faithful words that has been taught since the first century. And we talked about uh, the foundational aspects of our teaching and our preaching. Last episode, we talked about truth, the nature of truth. And we said, according to the Bible, truth is truth, whether we have immediate evidence to support it or not. Whether we have immediate evidence to support it or not. Something can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support that truth claim. Uh, It can still be true. I always talk about uh, Sir Henry Laird, uh, the great archaeologist um, who helped to clarify or to prove that the city of Nineveh actually existed. Prior to that, uh, centuries before uh, Sir Laird uh, dis- uh, discovered his um, the city of Nineveh, many skeptics mocked the Bible. Uh, because Nineveh had not been discovered. So Christians were proclaiming that uh, we believe in the Bible and we didn't have immediate evidence to support the origin or the uh, historical validity of Nineveh through archaeology. We didn't have that at that point, but we believed in what the Bible said, that this 
uh, city of Nineveh actually existed. So the skeptics continued to mock. They scoffed at what Christians were saying about Nineveh. They had found other uh, cities beside Nineveh up to that point. But lo and behold, uh, on his expedition, Sir Henry Laird uh, was, was able to unearth the whole city of Nineveh. So again, the truth claim prior to the discovery was still true. It's just that archaeology hadn't caught up with it yet. So something can still be true, even if we don't have immediate evidence to support it. Another example is uh, the Ark of the Covenant. We still haven't found the Ark of the Covenant. But through faith, through our trust in the Bible, we believe that it existed. And whether or not we find it, it's not important. We know that God is true. And whatever he says will never come back void. And if the scriptures tell us that the Ark of the Covenant existed, we know that the Ark ex- uh, existed. And whether or not we find it has no uh, trajectory in terms of our faith and in terms of our salvation. Number two, we said that something, uh, we said the truth, rather, is not created but revealed. Truth is not created but revealed. Why? Because God deposited truth when he created the universe. Truth came with it. Truth came out of the nature of God, and it was here uh, before the foundation of the world. So we as humans don't have the authority or the ability to recreate truth, even though many of us try. We try to recreate the truth of Identity, whether we're man, man or woman, we, we, we're trying to recreate uh, what marriage is. We're trying to recreate uh, what parenting is. And even though we've come up with our notion of what these things are, it is still inconsistent in many cases with what God has already deposited here. So what God says is true is true. And anything that goes against it is false. So truth is not created, but revealed. I I talked about how Einstein, with his theory of relativity, did not create truth. He simply discovered truth. Uh, Newton's uh, affiliation uh, with um, gravity. He didn't create the laws. He discovered the laws. So truth is not created, but revealed. So it's up to you and I to make uh, intelligible or understandable to other people what truth is. We know the truth, who is Jesus Christ. So as a result, we should be able to impart the truth to other people, not to compromise the truth, but to stand firm on the faithful teachings that have been given to us. So truth is not created, but revealed then truth is not based on popularity, right? Many of us um, in the world and even in the church, we sometimes argue that something is true because a lot of people believe it. Well, that's not a good litmus test for truth. A lot of people could be wrong, and we've seen that throughout history. Uh, Germany was wrong in the way that they treated the minorities in their country, uh, the, the majority uh, believed that they were racially superior to the Jews. And that 
is wrong. It, it, it is uh, an ontological mistake to claim that someone is better than another person because of their skin color. So truth is not based on popularity. Uh, truth is true whether or not people um, embrace it or not. Uh, if you remember in the scriptures uh, when Jesus was on trial and they offered up Barabbas or Jesus, uh, the majority said to crucify Jesus, to uh, find him guilty. So just because the majority believe something doesn't mean uh, necessarily what they're saying is true. So when we look at uh, Christian apologetics, we said that uh, the word apologetics doesn't mean that we are apologizing for our faith. It comes from the Greek word apologia. And that Greek word basically signifies that uh, we are given a defense of our faith, the ability to articulate why we believe what we believe. So that's what Christian apologetics is. It's the ability to give each man or woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you, and to do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, Christian apologetics has been... Um, has been going on in terms of the practice of it. It's, it's biblical, but in terms of this practice, it's been going on since the first century. Uh, if you read Galatians, the first chapter, uh, you will see Paul's um, admonition to the uh, churches in in the Galatian in in the region of Galatia. And basically, in chapter one, he says, "Look, whether." Me or anyone else preach any other gospel to you than that which you have received. Let them be accursed. It doesn't matter for some angel from heaven. doesn't matter who it is. If someone is teaching a doctrine that's contrary to the, the doctrine of the scriptures, let them be accursed. And so uh, the scriptures wasn't playing around in terms of uh, what we teach people because if we teach people uh, things that are not scriptural, then we're putting them on a path against what God's will is, which means they're not going to be successful. So Paul uh, constantly reminds us that uh, we need to stand up and defend the faith. Uh, even as we look at um, Dr. Luke in the in book of Acts, He's, uh, we, we learn in Acts 22 and 1 where uh, the, the uh, believers of the faith basically uh, say, brothers and sisters, listen not to my defense. And that word defense is apologia. So brothers and sisters or, or brothers and fathers, listen now to my apologia. That's what uh, the, uh, the apostle was saying. Then in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Knowing that I am set for the apologia of the gospel. Philippians 1, 16 through 17. So again, that word apologia is where we get the English version apologetics from. So it's, it's a biblical 
teaching. It's a biblical understanding that we as believers must engage in Christian apologia or Christian apologetics. It is not optional. Uh, you can't be a Christian and then say, I don't want to explain my faith. Uh, let them believe what they believe. Uh, I'm not strong enough to, uh, to answer people's question. And that's fine. That, that, that's, that's a good response. If you don't feel like you're confident to uh, speak on a particular subject, it's okay. But what's not okay is to just leave it there. If there is a topic that you are not sure about, you should at least go and try to learn more about it because God is eventually going to use what you've learned to bless someone else. So apologetics is really uh, an effort to help other people uh, after we grow or after we learn. Because this learning is not just for others. It's also for us. The more I learn about uh, God's nature, the better understanding I have of who he is and what I can bring to him and what and what his will is. Uh, a lot of people sometimes says, uh, well, God is going to give me the desires of my heart. That's true. That's part B of that scripture. But what we don't uh, emphasize on is part A of that scripture that says, delight thyself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. So if there's no delight in ourselves in God, then there won't be um, the offering that we need to succeed. So it's easy to say he'll give me the desires of my heart. But that's based on the first part. Are you delighted in God? If you're delighted in God, you're not going to go to him with something that he's already condemned. So it's important uh, as Christians, that we prepare ourselves, that we learn more about God's word, we learn more about his ways, we learn more about his will, we learn, we learn more about his purpose. It's important that we bathe ourselves in the scriptures. And in, in doing so, we'll be better prepared to answer the questions of our society. We'll be better prepared to answer the questions of our children. We'd be able to, uh, better prepared to answer the questions of our grandchildren. We'd be better prepared to answer the questions that our community have. All of the stuff going on in our community is not new to God, but God has, has an answer for each specific thing. Whether it's evolution, God has an answer for that. Whether it's infanticide, God has an answer for that. Whether it's suicide, God has an answer for that. Whether it's cremation, God has an answer for that. Uh, whether it's uh, marriage, God has an answer for that. And w- whether it's, it's fornication, God has an answer for that. Uh, dealing with uh, uh, soul sleep, God has an answer for that. Dealing with heaven and hell, God has an answer for that. So whatever our questions are on this side of heaven, God has already spoken. He has an answer and the world deserves to hear from the Christian, not just the pastors, not just the deacons, not just the trustees, not just uh, the, the leadership uh, in the church, but also the lay people need to be ready to give each man, to give each woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within them. God has an answer. So, when you look at Galatians chapter 1 again, it's readily 
uh, visible that Paul is preaching Christian apologetics, uh, that we need to stand and defend the teachings that have been given to us. Even as far back as the second century, uh, Paul and the apostles uh, lived in the first century, but even in the second century, we had apologists who God called to stand for the clarity of the gospel, meaning that uh, they were there to help move the needle in terms of preserving scriptural integrity. So whenever we hear her- uh, heresy or bad teachings or unhealthy teachings, we as Christians must stand up. So God used uh, individuals such as Tertullian. Uh, he was the, uh, one of the first ones to coin the term uh, Trinity uh, to highlight the doctrine that's already there. And on the last episode, I touched on the doctrine of the Trinity a little bit. But Tertullian, uh, who lived in North Africa, uh, lived in the second century, 155 uh, A.D., around that time. And he uh, wrote against Gnosticism, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S-M, Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, Gnosticism comes from the Greek word Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And during that time, uh, the Gnostics, they were teaching things that were clearly unbiblical. Uh, they claimed to be a different Christian movement, a different Christian group. They claimed that um, Jesus came to their group silently, invisibly, and gave them a new message that other believers were not aware of, even the apostles' teachings. So this group, the Gnosis, uh, the group of the knowledge they call themselves, they were against anything material. So definitely they were against the physical body. Anything that was physical, uh, they disavowed it and they thought that all material things were evil. So that means that your body is evil. Um, the actual physical scriptures could be evil, many tangible things. Uh, and one of the arguments they use is that uh, since the material world decays, since things uh, subject themselves to the law of entropy, uh, meaning that things break down, uh, that wasn't of God and God wouldn't, wouldn't support anything that were breaking down or de- uh, deteriorating. So that was their argument, even though it's false. So if that's the case, here's the uh, danger of Gnosticism. If that's the case, then that means in which they taught that Jesus did not rise up physically like the Bible teaches. They taught that Jesus rose up spiritually because he wouldn't have anything to do with a physical body. So Jesus never had a physical body. That was the danger of teaching Gnosticism. So people like Tertullian stood up and said, no, we can't accept that. Scriptures is clear that Jesus rose up physically. He was seen physically by hundreds of people. So Tertullian stood up in the second century and, and confronted Gnosticism through his writings. Then after Tertullian was Irenaeus, one of the great apologetists of Christendom. Uh, Irenaeus also stood up and refuted Gnosticism, and he wrote a treatise uh, called Against Heresies. His writing 
uh, one of his popular works is called Against Heresies, and it was dealing with the Gnosticism teaching. And likewise, we as Christians, we must stand up when heresy uh, pops his ugly head. We need to stand up and speak up against it. It's up to all of us. When we hear bad teachings inside the church, it's our obligation to confront the bad teaching and uh, expound the way of God, the way of the Bible more perfectly. That's what we're called to do. That's what Christian apologetics do. We set people's thinking back on the right track. We promote sound teaching. And we said the Greek word for sound is who gaze and who gaze means healthy. So we as Christians are to promote sound teaching, which also means healthy teachings. And to not promote sound teaching, meaning that if your teaching is not rooted in doctrine, in healthy doctrine, then it's ultimately unhealthy. So uh, there are unhealthy doctrines that are taught sometimes, and we that are believers must stand up for the healthy doctrines. So I give you an example. You may be wondering what type of unhealthy doctrine. Well, if we think about it, uh, the teachings... That came from Jim Jones um, was unhealthy. And as a result, many people died because of his uh, teaching and because of his theology. Uh, it caused many lives. Then we talk about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Uh, he, too, had an unhealthy doctrine. So unhealthy doctrine uh, can't just be cast aside or minimized. Or, or, or believed that, uh, the belief that it's, it, it's okay. You know, people can believe what they want to believe. I just believe what I want to believe. That's not a Christian attitude. If we see our neighbor going down the wrong path, we have an obligation to warn them. Okay. So, uh, unhealthy doctrine being taught, uh, can lead to people being hurt, can lead to people being disenchanted with God himself. Uh, and, and can lead to disillusionment. For, and another example is like the prosperity teaching. Uh, in the 90s, it was very, very famous, very prevalent. All these prosperity teachers on, online, uh, uh, name it and claim it. And eventually, it led to a lot of people being disillusioned because it wasn't supported by God and it wasn't doctrinal. And that's what happens with unhealthy teaching. Eventually, it runs its course, but... The casualties are many. So we as Christians, just a reminder, we as Christians, we must stand up for the uh, faith and the teachings that have been given to us. It's not up for debate. It's already a settled matter. And we as believers, all of us are called to be apologists in some sense. Uh, So we want to encourage you all to stand firm on the healthy teaching of God's word, because the only way our society is going to change for the better in the perfect sense because of the blood of Jesus is for us to share the gospel. And in order to share the gospel, we have to be ready to give each man, to give each woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us, and to do it with gentleness and respect. Well, we've run out of time again. We will continue part three of the need for Christian apologetics. But we also want to encourage you to 
uh, consider supporting us online at srministries.org with a financial donation if you're led to. Again, we thank you, and may God continue to bless you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.